0: Welcome to Conveyancing Matters with Lorraine and Stu. Join us for a chat about all things property. Hey Stu, good to see you. So, um, bit of controversy, bit of controversy. Good old, good old Russell Quirk in Property Industry uh, Eye. Are conveyancers a law unto themselves? That was the question he posed, um, and concluded really that um you know conveyances were probably a bit superfluous to requirements and it should all be done under the estate agent's roof. I don't want to misrepresent what he said, but um and I think this is one too where you and I can rabbit on and do a series of these for about two or three hours, but I don't think we want to subject our lovely viewers to that. So Russell's proposition is you know, what do conveyancers do all day? You know what? What place do they have in the conveyancing process, and why don't we do it all under one roof? So, what's your what's your view? Let's let's uh, let's pick a few of Russell's arguments and see what we think about them.
1: Oh goodness, yeah. Uh, you know, where 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 do we start, Lorraine? It, it's you know it's an interesting article. Um, I know Russell fairly well, so um, no doubt he's he's caught in um, some PR um from both sides of the, the industry with the state agency and, and lawyers. Um, what do we do all day long? Where do we start? Where do we start with that question? Um, you know the job of a conveyancer is, you know, it's not a nine to five, um, you know, you'll be in the hours, all hours, your communication sort of um mediums now are are unbelievable. We we have case trackers, you know, um, mobiles, emails, um, Christ knows what. So, you know, the levels of communication, the levels of service that we give to a client now are far, far, far and away the what they were maybe ten years ago. Yeah. I'll couple that with the legal due diligence regulation that that's um, increased. Um, you know, from money laundering um, to ID check in. You know, where do I start in terms of what we do? Do I ever think that estate agents will carry out conveyancing? No. Uh, well, Jim, um, maybe,
0: you and, uh, maybe you and Russell are, are too young and gorgeous to remember, but I'm certainly neither of those things. And, and 25, 30 years ago, you know, estate agents and solicitors were under the same roof. In actual fact, the place I did my training, or articles as they were then, I'm slightly old and embarrassed to admit, um, that was a firm that did that, and that whole model crashed and burned. Where well, it didn't crash and burn without reason, um, you know. Russell, bless him, would probably say, "Well, it crashed and burned because all the conveyances were rubbish." But you know that has been tried, um, and it wasn't massively successful. And I'm not sure quite how the current proposition would be any different. But um, I mean, one of the questions Russell poses, and I, say, I think it's a brilliant article because it's really provocative and it provokes debate. Um, I bet sneakily he doesn't believe all of it. But, um, or maybe he does. But one of the questions is, as you said, well, what do conveyancers do all day? Well, on behalf of the conveyancing community, I have got to say, take lots of calls from agents that they'd rather not be taking. That's one of the things that a lot of conveyancers do every day, quite frankly. And I think that does have to be said to be fair.
1: Um, I think cool. also, oh. if I just slightly interrupt here as well,
0: you
1: do. You know, there are um, many different agents that, that are far more diverse than, than they ever have been before from the online to the traditional and you know I'm, I'm not saying this is a one size fits all but there are agents out there that will ring us, will give them an update, they will act on the information They'll, they'll chase things up and, and they're of you know great assistance to us. Equally, there are agents that will ring us up, ask us for a snippet of information, they will interpret it completely incorrectly yeah. for the client, they, they won't chase things, they'll they'll ring up the next day asking whether there's any update, which which there isn't. Um, so estate agents have changed a lot in the last 10 years. You know, they're not all of the same ilk that they once were, and I think. Russell comes from a, a, a point where you know he is um, sitting on a, 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 a sort of podium insofar as you know he has he's done both. He's done the traditional estate agency, he's done the online estate agency. But what maybe Russell wouldn't appreciate so much when you know we say that we don't want to take calls from the estate agency. is not necessarily that. It's the pointless calls. That's the key. Uh, and maybe Russell wouldn't appreciate it because he's you know got plenty of experience. You know, he's not going to call us asking for updates that, that, that don't apply or, or there's no need to. So, so Russell would be the, the experienced estate agent that, that would have more ilk. But it's not all that are like that. And, you know, when it comes to sort of acting for a client, first of all, they're not consumers, customers, they're clients. You know, we have a, a, a service agreement that we will enter into with that client at the forefront where we offer legal due diligence on the transaction that they're about to undertake. We have numerous roles within a job. We'll be looking at people's title to look at rights of way, covenants, and that's just to start with. Um, all of that knowledge would be gained by our qualification and years and years of experience. I know the estate agent industry haven't been overly happy or certainly a large proportion of it hasn't been overly happy with, you know, their need to obtain qualification. Yeah. You know, to, to do conveyancing, that's what an estate agent wouldn't, you know, the road they would need to go down. They would need further qualification and so on and so forth. You've got to also bear in mind that as a law firm, one of the issues that really impact us are lender panels and being able to act for certain banks these banks have set criteria yeah. um, and standards that we all have to adhere to, to be on their panel to enable us to act for the bank. It's not as easy as just anybody just all of a sudden becoming a property lawyer and being able to do that. So not only is there the, you know, the regulation, the hoops we have to jump through, um, you know, there's lender panels and other things that maybe people wouldn't appreciate. So I, I just can't see how that would ever work.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Stu, because one of, the, one of the phrases, one of the threads throughout Russell's article is he refers to consumers, and as you've said, fundamentally for us, they're clients, they're not consumers. Okay, they are consumers of our services in the broadest sense, but but of course also, and I do bang on about this a lot when I'm training, and I do get really boring. I'm bored myself, to be honest with you, Stu, sometimes. Never. So, Never. You know, um, but again, it comes back to this point that we have, you know, touched on on other of these chats that, you know, the conveyancer is properly insured, which fundamentally means that the client is properly protected, and the whole premise is of, of regulation of legal services is the idea that the member of the public, the home buying, selling you know home selling and buying public that you and i deal with every day Stu, um don't suffer loss at the hands of their conveyancer be it a licensed conveyancer or a solicitor because we're properly insured and i kind of slightly posed the question and and, you know for all the fantastic brilliant agents that i know out there some of whom you know I, i know and love dearly and i don't include in this at all but the question has to be posed you know if a client is a bit jinked off with their estate agent, what do they do? What redress have they got? And the answer to that question is not much. Um, you know, if, the, if a client is concerned about you or me or our level of service to what can they do? Well, they can invoke our detailed complaints procedure. <laughs> then, if we, you know, if they're not satisfied with the outcome, you know, they can go to the legal ombudsman and we'll pay 400 quid for the privilege of even having that file looked at. The ombudsman can give redress against us and our firms, up to now something like 50k. Um, In addition, if we've been negligent and got the law so wrong that the client has suffered loss, our indemnity insurance will again step in to make sure that they don't suffer loss. And if you and I have done anything that bad to well, we we run the risk of losing our practising certificates. But that is the protection that the members of the public get through using a regulated, um, uh, you know, in our scenario, conveyances. But, you know, I would say the same with will writing. I mean, I'm, you know, I I would get on my high horse about that, too. So, as I say, I do think, you know, I love Russell's article because it really does, as I say, provoke thought. And I'm sure he wants to provoke, uh, you know, a loud and vociferous response. And I definitely don't want to sound, um, uh, you know, unresponsive to the need for change, but I, I'm simply not convinced hmm. that sticking everything under the and uh, you know under an estate agent's roof is anywhere near the answer. You know, for right. all did the reasons you, that you've come think, up with. Yeah,
1: do you think maybe there's a conflict of interest there as well? Um, oh,
0: hugely. I mean, absolutely. You know, of course there is.
1: Exactly. Well, you know, the, the estate agent's remit is is obviously to sell that property and then see that sell. Uh, through to its conclusion well of course there may be reasons where you know a buyer isn't able to do something or do something quickly as a lawyer acting for a buyer we may be party to information that the vendor and the estate agents aren't allowed to know you know that person could have a trouble with a, you know could be in trouble in terms of obtaining their mortgage offer they might need another couple of months to come up with a final sum of money for their deposit. Yeah. There's often reasons why, or sorry, often reasons uh, and information that we're party to that we're not allowed. We're particularly, you know, or specifically instructed by that client not to pass that information on. So, you know, what happens in these kind of circumstances?
0: Yeah, I mean that's a really brilliant point, actually, Stu. The whole conduct, conflict, confidentiality thing, and again, something I sort of rabbit on about is, um, uh, you know, and I. I'm now very careful, for example, about um, what I'm prepared to say to a client by email, which again, I know people are gonna sort of perhaps shout at the screen and say, oh, my word Lorraine, you know, you old bag. But I often say to a client now in an email, please note that this is my advice to you and it's not meant to be sent to anybody else because I know full well that somebody is just gonna forward it to everybody. And again, it does become, and that information is just gonna go up and down the chain. Um, and that's my advice to my client about that point. Um, so I'm really, really careful about that. If the client chooses to do something with that information, or pass it on. But that also means that I'm quite careful about what I put in emails. So um, you know, I'm. I'm when, when, you know, th- less...
1: when you think about the logic, you know, we could act for a buyer. The buyer says to me, um, "Stu, I've got a problem with the mortgage offer. I can't quite get it over the line." Um, I need another month's payslip or, or whatever the scenario may yeah. be. I can't quite get it over the line. Now, if that information was to fall in hands of the seller who's got other buyers interested, potentially at a higher price, and the estate agent was also aware of that, you know, where, where do we define whom's acting for whom? And, and I, I just can't see anything but a, a big can of worms, again, a, a conflict of interests whereby you know, the whole basis of the conveyancing system is that each individual party is individually represented. And as yeah. a lawyer, you act in you know, on that client's best interests. Um, that has to be the core of what we do. You know, we're always acting on behalf of the client, um, you know, to the best of their interests. So for me, it's always gonna be uh, law firms in general that are active for clients carrying out conveyancing. Will there ever be a scenario, maybe in the future, that that. Comvance has become more uh, intertwined with regards to the, the the moving process. That's a possibility. Could you find maybe conveyances partaking in removal arrangements, survey arrangements, possibly in the future? There may be a way that that, that could be uh, looked at. But insofar as law being dealt with by state agents, I don't think it's a goer. I think it creates a conflict of interest so it's not one for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I'm absolutely right, even if you've got the conveyancer, you know, a qualified conveyancer under the estate agent's roof, and I think that was probably the problem, um, uh, you know, when it was tried, you know, quite a few years ago, and I know our sort of whole, you know, uh, legal landscape has changed dramatically since then, you know, with the permission, you know, allowing ABSs and all the rest of it, but, um but I think you're absolutely right, Stuart. And as I say, it's the, it's the blurring of the lines that bothers me. And also fundamentally what bothers me, um, oh, I'm sounding like a Hector old cow, aren't I? But what bothers me also is the issue of if we're gonna provide more service, who's gonna be prepared to pay for it? I mean, one of you know, the absolute things that I kind of agree with Russell about in, in general terms is you know, level of quality of conveyancing service. And, you know i have to say that you know i've been in the business a long time now uh, and conveyances have been their own generally generally have been their own worst enemy on this you know they have allowed a race to the bottom in terms of fees therefore you have got conveyances who have got too much work uh, probably with not enough people doing it that's what creates a logjam in terms of progress and communication um and actually, I also have to say, and I'm kind of prepared to say, uh, I don't mind being argued, you know, uh, somebody can argue with me if they want. But one of the reasons that um, some conveyances have allowed that downward uh, pressure on their legal fees is, is because of the damned estate agents saying to clients, oh, they're, they're charging too much, go to them. You know, we've just allowed the agents in, some, in many ways to kind of get the upper hand. Uh, which which also sort of slightly bothers me about the premise of Russell's argument but what I do think is um, uh, a really important point that you know we we should all be thinking about and I feel quite strongly that that um, this shouldn't be this isn't conveyance versus agent and this this discussion that um russell i think is quite rightly provoking you know shouldn't polarize people's attitudes it shouldn't be conveyancer versus agent you know it should be how can we find the means of communication because fundamentally um there are still up and down the country you know hundreds of conveyancing firms and hundreds of local independent estate agents that communicate perfectly well and to kind of arc back to where you started Stu. um It's all about dialogue. I've worked with agents over the years. If I know that I I need them to give me a bit of a hand to perhaps push something along, find out some information, I can ring them that they're gonna tell me something relevant or they're gonna help me move things along and that is invaluable to the process. Um, (coughs) I'm afraid, I hate to say it, but uh, you know, um, an inexperienced agent giving me a ring saying well your local search arrived this morning are we exchanging today without understanding that i need to analyze what's in the search and that might raise half a dozen more inquiries you know that can be one of the problems but i think it's all about positive communication and dialogue and i think that's what we ought to be promoting, really.
1: Where, where, where the line becomes blurry as well is, is that if you were to try and explain the conveyancing process to somebody, it, it's, it's not one necessarily, it's not a one-size-fits-all. So yeah. when we talk about searches, often we get asked, are the searches back? Well, there's three or four different searches, depending on the geographical location of the property. So it's not just one, there's potentially four Now, any one of those four searches may give rise to a separate issue that we need to cover, potentially raise inquiries on. So somebody could say, have you received answers to inquiries? And at that given day, yes, I have. But answers to inquiries that I'd raised uh, presently, I could then receive a search result that may mean I need to raise more inquiries. I could receive a mortgage offer, whereby there's a valuation report that mentions an extension, blah, blah, blah. I may need to raise more inquiries again. I could carry out a final report to a client. They all of a sudden could mention the fact that there's somebody else living in the property that hadn't already been disclosed. I may then have to raise further inquiries again. So it's very difficult to sort of pigeonhole each part of the process and, and, and make it easy you know it's, it's not easy it's a difficult job carrying out conveyancing it's more than you know just looking at the, the you know transferring a, a piece of land from one person to another know, we have to investigate not just the title the vendors the actual you know our clients ourselves in terms of money laundering id so yeah you know it's a long-winded process it needs reform most certainly but I don't think this is the answer to, uh, to, to the problems that we have.
0: No, I agree with you there, Stu. Um, so well, maybe we'll invite uh, maybe we'll invite Russell along and uh, and he can give us his views face to face. Well, at least Zoom to Zoom, if not face to face. So um, well, we'll wrap up this in matters there, Stu. And no doubt uh, this uh, this discussion will run and run is my bet. Definitely.
1: Take care, Lorraine.
0: And you. Bye.